Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. We're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. It's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page. And love and tradition of the grand design some people say is even harder to find. Well, then there must be some magic clue inside Good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to the Ross Family Matters podcast. We have a very special guest. We'll get to that in a second. Hotshot Scott Williams, Jack Spade, Vic the Stick Ross, and we are joined by the legendary Angel Armani. Angel Armani, thank you for joining us. You are very, very welcome. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of digging in the hat, we want to find out a little bit about well, about you, uh, quite frankly, and, and I guess we'll start by asking, what made you get into this crazy wrestling business to, to begin with? What's your next question? <laughs> What'll make you get out? <laughs> <laughs> I was unemployed, and my buddy Ike was unemployed, and he was working third shift at Briggs as a security guard, and he would call me at 3 o'clock in the morning. We would talk for two, two and a half hours just so his day would go by. And for me, it really didn't matter because I was unemployed. So one day he says, hey, Rambo Robinson trains wrestlers, and he's a couple months short on rent on his apartment, and if we paid his rent, he would train us. And I'm like, okay, you know, I was a young 38-year-old, you know. Right, spry. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we went to Jake Nolneck Middleman's backyard, and uh, in the middle of the corn crops, like you would find a flying saucer somewhere, there was a wrestling ring. And uh, that's the beginning. I think when I retire, I'm going to go to that same place, and it'll be the same corn will probably be there, and that ring will still be there. I don't know. <laughs> that, see, now to me, that's the the kind of the most unique part of the story. Thirty eight years old, most people are thinking about getting out. You get in, and you're still doing this years later. I mean, is there ever a time where you start thinking about? I don't know if how much more of the in ring stuff I want to do. Well, you know, the funny thing is, I've had more thoughts the day I started because, number one, they kicked the shit out of me the first day with a chair and everything else. And Ike was 27, 28 years old, six foot two. He had the body of a Greek god, where I had the body of a Greek. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to go places and I'm going nowhere. Sure. And 10 years later, I've done WWE, WCW, NXT. FIP, Ring of Honor, Canada, Germany, Japan, probably 25 states, and uh, he barely got out of his backyard. Sure. So, you know. So you've been in a lot of places. What's the furthest you've gone from Milwaukee to wrestle? Probably Germany. Actually, I did Cambodia last year, but it was in a fake ring and everything else for some kids, and that's probably a little farther than Germany is. You know, but that was, you know, but we actually got paid. I wrestled a guy named Michael Kolbach, okay? He spoke no English, and we're supposed to go to a 20-minute draw. And at about the 18-minute mark, they're announcing the time in German, which I speak no German, even though my original name was Colonel Blatnik, by the way. So I crawl to the ring announcer, and I'm like, hey, could you count in English so I can figure out how I'm going to fight this match off, you know? Sure. And somebody heard me, and there's a wrestling website, just like in America, and it basically says, you know, Colonel Blatnick crawled over to the corner and said, hey, could you count in English? <laughs> That's real heel in Germany. <laughs> well, you know, they cheered me and actually booed the baby face because I think they wanted to see Americans. So we did a thing where I got pinned, and on three, the bell rang. So they didn't know who won. And when they announced that Michael Kolbach won, Carmine Despirito came out with a clock that said 20 minutes and 20 seconds. So the heat there was he beat me 20 seconds after the bell that the American clocks are far superior over German clocks. <laughs> so not only did we have heat in the ring, we had heat in the manufacturing business for clocks I love it. in Germany. So that was, so that was through... Uh, uh, 
uh, Mid American wrestling, right? Where you well, it wasn't really through them. It's just some guy there. The guy dressed up like a woman. Sometimes you didn't know who if that was the brother or the or the sister. But I went with uh, Carmine and um, Billy Joe Eaton and uh, believe it or not, Ian Rotten. Okay, and Ian Rotten at the time goes from Louisville to Chicago and he has a barbed wire baseball bat and Southwest Airlines let him on at the time dragging this bat. He looked like Fred Flintstone coming in here, okay? So now he tries to get on a Lufthansa airline with this barbed wire bat and they're like, absolutely not, you know? So we're scrambling before the plane takes off, calling this promoter in Germany to find a baseball bat and wrap it up with barbed wire. Yeah, but you know now you you know you can't bring a big pen on the plane. You, you you'll be a terrorist. Can't bring liquid on. No, I think no. they'll still let that on Southwest, but it's only. It's well, they knew him. I mean, yeah. Ian flew probably a thousand times with Southwest. Right. Sure. You know. When you uh, when you did that show in Germany, was that under a tent or was it in a hall? Actually, it was three different buildings. It was a Hanover, Bremen, and I forgot the name of the last one, but the last one was not a show, it was a meet and greet where we sat at the table kind of like we got married and then people paid X amount of dollars for food and they got to ask questions. And I remember one of the questions somebody asked is, what's your favorite wrestling promotion? And at the time, and believe it or not, I said ECW. And not because of the blood and guts, but because when a guy had an arm bar or a submission, Joey Styles would be screaming, oh my God, oh my God. And then when these same wrestlers went to WCW and they did the same moves, Michael Schiavone was talking about Hulk Hogan's limousine coming in the back. Nobody gave a rat's ass. The fans were turned at 3 o'clock waiting for a run-in, and nobody really came. And uh, check under the table. Is WCW still around? I don't see him. Do you see him anywhere? I don't see him anywhere, but people still chant ECW, I guess. They do. But I liked it for the wrestling. I didn't like it for the blood and, and all the other stuff but there was very good wrestling you know sure Gene, dean malenko and all them guys they were outstanding they're outstanding Jericho, very young chris jericho there. Yeah. so from there so we'll get back to some of the stories from the road but then you as you became a veteran started training wrestlers um and getting involved in, in getting the next generation ready who were some of the people you had a chance to train and, and that have gone on to some bigger and better things i mean to really make it, I don't think I could say I trained anybody as an individual. Guys like Silas, Silas Young came at me. He could barely bump, but he could bump. He knew about as much psychology as my grandma. Sure. Okay, so he learned a lot of psychology. Juice Robinson was the same way. He was going to quit because he had 150-pound guys picking up a 240-pound guy and throwing him all over the place, and I would tell him, would that guy do that in a real fight? He says, hell no. And I go, then you don't let him do it in the ring. Right. You know, and guys like Aries, okay, they were basically killing each other. And we would go to my house and we would watch tapes and I would explain what he should have done than what he did and the argument he had first and then he agreed with me. And again, look where he is right now, you know. Right. Ken Anderson, although he was trained up north, would do a lot of my shows and he would learn something. I mean, uh... I did 60-minute Ironman matches, either refereeing or in them, even with CM Punk, and we would discuss psychology with each other. Now, did I physically train him? No. Do I think he learned something from me? Absolutely, yes. Right. But on the same token, I learned something from him, you know. And then you got uh, Sean Davari, and you got the twins that are now that I did train. But again, I don't take credit for them because they got hired because they're six foot eight identical twins. I mean, my headlock takedown, I don't think, really mattered, you know. And if it did, I'm going to put a patent on it. You know? It's a pretty good one. I, uh, yeah, I can make a lot of money. Put I cheese. I remember you saying this. I don't know if it's... An, well, That's on. Vince McMahon calling right now. Oh, getting hired. Go ahead. <laughs> Who was it? I, it was uh, Vince. I told him, uh, hold on. All right. Uh, Connecticut. But, uh... Yeah. I, I remember you telling me this, and I don't remember when or how, but you told me uh, that it took you 10 years for it really before you really learned how to actually fully work and that it finally clicked for you. That was yesterday I told you, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember uh, when you really realized that it kind of clicked for you and you were getting it? You know, it's funny because I'm still saying that. I know I said that, but me and Silas were talking the other day of 
you know, if a bad guy hits a big move on a on a good guy and you go for a cover and he kicks out, then my, my move was worthless. So we work the crowd and yell and scream and get heat and kick dirt in the baby face's face and then go for a cover, you know, and the announcer would be like, hey, you dummy, why don't you go for a pin right away? But now I'm thinking the same way. Now, why would I take three clotheslines, a drop kick, and a power slam from a baby face in his comeback and kick out? It's kind of the same thing. So I'm kind of even changing that a little bit. To, uh, maybe you only do that in a tag match where your partner can save you. So now I'm trying to avoid bumps, which means I got 10 more years in the wrestling business. Sorry to hear that, everybody, okay? <laughs> One bump a year. That many? <laughs> as long as you're not in, in the old AWA rings, I think you're in better shape. So you've wrestled a lot of people. Who... Who's the biggest star you've ever wrestled, and what was your favorite match of all time? Because they're probably two different. My biggest star I wrestled was six foot nine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who was okay. it? Do you remember? <laughs> well, I mean, I wrestled Mitch Paradise, six foot nine. Baron Von Roschke was probably six foot nine. Um, but to be honest, I would rather wrestle a green guy than a star. I mean, there was a guy up in Eau Claire called Jim Ganya. And he used to call me up and he'd say, Angel, Vern Gagne, or Greg Gagne here, whatever his name was. Dale. Dale. No, uh, Jim Gagne. Jim I got some really, really good news for you. I'm like, what's that? You're wrestling Georgie Animal Steel Saturday. And I would pause and I would say, what's the good news? And he says, I go, I would rather wrestle Jake O'Neill or whatever where I can do something because I'm not going to be able to do anything here, and I really don't want to drive 235 miles to basically be a guy that would take a jigsaw puzzle and just put parts together. You know, and then when I got out there, it was just what I said it would be. It was garbage. Sure. You know, I haven't got this many phone calls, you know, in, in the, whole, the whole day. So, well, so out of all the matches you've had, is there one that stands out as the best match you ever had? I had a really good stretcher match with a wave rider Craig, probably my second year in business. What happened in that feud was, and I really learned how to work at 38 and Craig was 18, is Carmine says, we're going to do about a nine-month feud. You're going to be the first guy to go through a table and mid-American wrestling, and then you guys are going to end up in a barbed wire match at Wilson Park, which he drew about 900 people that day, which we're talking... Places used to, you know, you'd be happy if you drew 60 people. Right. And um, every match that we did, there was an our screw job. Like one time we had a first blood match. And I'm just getting ready to get busted open. And Spymaster comes in. And as I turn to referee, we throw a cup of ketchup on Craig's face. And the referee turns around and sees that he was busted wide open. Okay, and these people are booing and this and that, and uh, kind of what's wrong with TV today and wrestling is what brought the people back to the next show was the heat, the heat of that match. Because if I would have got cut open and bled, nobody would have been at the next show. They would have saw it already. Right. But we avoided it, and every single time, I mean, you know, the day of a bad guy using brass knuckles or all this other crap today is over. The bad guy's job today is to avoid the good guy's moves. No different than a bat than Star Wars or a Batman movie. I mean, can you imagine watching Batman 8 and the movie starts out and the Joker drives by and shoots him in the head and that's the end of the movie. You'd be like, what the hell just happened here? Sure. You know, but if you can tease all this crap for month after month after month, and if you see 200, then 220, then 260, then 310 show up, you know you're doing a good job. But if it's 260, then 240, and 190, and 170, maybe it's time to go back to the drawing board. Sure. How much fun, uh, just speaking of that time, because I, I remember becoming a fan of independent wrestling from watching Carmine and Mid-American shows. It, especially in the early days, how much fun were some of those shows? Because they had some really good talent, Johnny Mercedes and... A wholesome Billy and Joe also Eaton. really good talent. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because I never saw a promoter as good as Carmine that could take 12 guys who really are un as unathletic as possible. I mean, what you just said about Johnny Mercedes or Farmer Vic or uh, Spymaster or uh, <clears throat> Illinois State Trooper. But again, what they did was they got heat. And you'd put him against some little pretty boy, and he would do everything possible. And I mean, I remember one time with a spy master match where we put a brick in 
Spymaster's glove, and we hit a guy in the face with this brick, and this was during the OJ thing, okay? So then we hide it, and everybody is saying that's the Spymaster's glove. So we open up the briefcase, and the glove was still in there. So we're like, how could we have done that? The glove, you know, then the referee looked around, there was another glove laying there, and he goes, this is your glove. He goes, no, and he goes, try it on, and it didn't fit. <laughs> so that's the line we lose there, and I go, well, if it couldn't fit, how could we have possibly used it? I mean, if it worked for OJ, it's got to work for us. <laughs> if it don't fit, he didn't hit him with the brick. Uh, we didn't hit him with the brick, you know? <laughs> and, I mean, you know, another time at Wilson Park, Spymaster was the limo driver, and I was in the trunk, and Frank DeFalco and Johnny Mercedes were in the back seat, and as they were about to give the driver, who they did not know was the spy master, a dollar tip, he took his hat off. And as they took a swing, I hit him from behind with a crutch. You know, I mean, that's... But the funny part of that show wasn't that. It's on the way we're driving through Wilson Park, and a cop pulls us over and says, why are you driving this limo in there? And as he's doing that, I'm pounding in the trunk, let me out of here, I'm being kidnapped. <laughs> so this cop is like, open up that trunk right now. And they're all trying to go, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, that's me. I mean, always trying to make a joke. So as they're announcing our us coming out there, we're in the back being detained because I'm telling that the cop that we were being kidnapped. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you meet Carmine through Rambo? No, actually, like wrestling today, they hated each other. Okay. Okay, and they hated each other because one was not successful and one was successful. Rambo, they'd run one show a year and draw 30 people, and uh, Carmine was drawing, you know, 16 shows a year and this and that. And, again, name, nothing's changed, okay, in all these years, okay? This guy pays this, this guy pays this, this guy don't know nothing, this guy knows everything, and, um, well, I'm still waiting for my first million. Absolutely. So through all of that, is there a match, and, and we can go on and on about some of the stories about things that didn't go well in certain matches. Is there a match that sta it stands out as being the, the worst match you were ever part of? If I'm you go just... to, what's that place where you can buy old DVDs and VCR tapes in the East Coast? It was called Smart, Mark, Smart Mark Video? Oh, yeah. yep. Yep. Carmine had a best of MIAW, or Mid-American Wrestling. I'm kind of pushing my product there. <laughs> and the worst of Mid-American Wrestling. And I, my matches happen to have been in both. <laughs> so, I mean, need I say more? I mean, I've had some matches that it's like, you've got to be kidding me. What you match know? got you the angriest? <laughs> when I worked you. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably Judge Jesse at the rave. I mean, this guy couldn't remember a hip toss if I licked his ear and said hip, hip toss. <laughs> okay. Well, I and, got a feeling he wouldn't have forgot that. <laughs> no, he did. And uh, you know what my line is. Just pin me, okay? Yep. Because that's just the way it is. And, again, it's because people pay big money to see you. And the last thing you want to do is make each other look stupid, okay? I mean, you're a token is you don't want to hurt anybody either. I mean, one of the things I can honestly say about my school, about my shows, and about the guys that I train, nobody has ever hurt anybody. Nobody. Okay, and um, I mean, just absolutely nobody. And everybody sits there and say, yeah, well, what if, what if, what if? And I'm going like, well, have you ever heard of a magic guy sawing a girl in half? I mean, it doesn't happen once in a great while where that magician goes, hey, we need another girl. I actually sawed this girl in half. Right. Well, that's the same with wrestling. I mean, guys really shouldn't get hurt, you know, but then you got these people that you work with say, oh, you're supposed to zig instead of zag. They're kind of right about that. Sure. You know, they're kind of right about that. It's like a freeway. There's nothing better than a freeway when everybody's going 65. But when one guy's going 45, it's the worst road you want to be on. That's the same in a wrestling ring. If a guy is not properly trained or whatever, it's god-awful. You know, they sit there and say, oh, those guys have really good chemistry. No, they know how to work. Sure. You know, and that's, that's basically it. But then again, it's no different than some girls or guys can dance and some girls and guys can't dance. I remember, I, I learned, I really learned a lot um, from you just listening to you talk about wrestling, but one of the things that always stuck in my head was when you tell people, when you have a perfect match, it's time to retire. It's time to retire. I'm still wrestling. Right. Because, you know, I mean, there's always going to be, the, it, but it's how you cover up 
the small things that don't go right that really make the difference. It's really funny too, and it's no different doing a party or cooking anything in life. You do a wrestling match, and then you lay in bed that night, and you go, oh, wait, this was lousy, this was lousy, this was good. And then the next day, somebody sends you the tape, and the stuff you thought was lousy was good, and the stuff you thought was good was lousy. It's no different cooking or whatever. You know, I made ham, and I made uh, turkey, and I, oh, that turkey, it's my, my, I'm, I'm great at making a turkey, and all of a sudden, we cut it open, it's dry, and I'm lousy making a ham, and it turned out perfect. Sure. You know, or just 10 people going out to have a good time on a Friday night, and we're bored as shit. And the next time, just three of us go out, figure we're going to be bored, and we have the time of our lives. You know, you just don't know. And that's also what makes anything. Baseball, you know, one day it's 10 nothing, next day it's one nothing, next day it's 10-9. You don't know. Right. You know. So you, you learn how to wrestle, you start helping other people take it to the next level, and then you decide you want to be a promoter. And you start MIAW. Talk a little bit about how that started and what made you decide it's something you wanted to do. It actually started on a Thanksgiving Eve because a lot of wrestlers like Derek St. Holmes, Eric Freedom, they lived far away and they wanted to come home for the holidays. Sure. So I'm sitting there going like, I'm going to do a Wednesday night wrestling show where these guys can make 25 or 30 bucks, pay for their gas from wherever they're coming to the visit home so it didn't come out of their money. Some were going to college and, you know, a tank full of gas when you're going to college ain't hard, isn't easy, but... Now he can stop in Milwaukee, wrestle, get his 30 bucks, and it filled up his tank of gas going home and back. Sure. And my Thanksgiving Eve still, I think, because I did that, God always blesses me, and I really pack them in on Thanksgiving Eve. Absolutely. You know, and that could be one of the reasons why. I don't know. And, um, and then Pop Luigi's here. Um, I would never run wrestling unless I could buy a ring. I mean, there's people out there all over the country that think they're businessmen, and they run 100 shows in three years, and they pay $400 a ring rental. Right. So in three years, they gave $40,000 in a ring rental when you can buy a ring for 1000 bucks. Now, to me, that's not a businessman. That's an idiot. Sure. Okay, but on the same token, if I didn't have a building to put it in, but I do, and I, you know, I always thank Sal for that, you know, and uh, you can't ask for a better, better thing. The ring is here, and if I want to roll around, or if I don't want to roll around, or if I want to show somebody, or there's a sponsor out there, or, you know, Somebody else is running a show and they want a TV guy to come here and just touch the ring. It's always here for me, which is awesome. Sure. What's the origin of the Armani Binky? Binky to blanket? Yes. There was a ring that's probably about as stiff as this. And I know that ring. <laughs> I was told to take a bump. And. I kind of went down on my knees, and I'm like, this is really, really bad. So Big Brian, Chaos, his wife, knitted a little blanket that looked like <coughs> you could maybe uh, be a genie or something and go across the sky. Sure. And I'm like, could you guys put this in the middle of the ring under the canvas, and I will make sure that's where I bump. And I think the guy might have clotheslined me about six feet away, and I kind of stumbled, stumbled, stumbled <laughs> to the middle of the ring, and then I kind of fell down, you know. And it still hurt, but Blinky protected me as much as he could. I like it. That ring was rough. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's not fun to be in. But, you know, there again, that's what the rings were in the 70s, okay. And when you watch old wrestling and you didn't see a lot, that's the reason why. You know, where today they are a lot better, you know. But, you know, one of the things I don't like about wrestling is back then, those guys could talk. They could have heat. Their rings were hard, but those guys were wrestlers, okay. They were in Olympics. Baron Von Raschke was in the Olympic. Mad Dog was in the Olymp Olympics. Um, Billy, I mean, uh, Billy Robinson was in the Olympics. Brad Riggins could, at 75 years old right now, he could tie you like a pretzel. Right. Iron Sheik. And then you got, yeah, Cosros Vasiri. I mean, that's why Vince hired him. If somebody pissed off Vince, he'd say, hey, you're wrestling the Iron Sheik tonight. You knew you were getting stretched. Sure. You knew it. Today, all I really see is a bunch of strippers, and they're all worried about, you know, are their teeth perfect? Sorry. Their hands look like they were cashiers until they were 25 years old. You know, where even a guy like um, Cesar Pavlon, he's about five foot seven. okay, from Puerto Rico. I wrestle him. Five foot seven. so you sit there and say, okay, he's got a medium gloves. He could palm a basketball yeah, like, like no, they were—they're like steam shovels, 
sure. because he was an athlete, even though he was five foot seven. You know, you say, I said you see a five foot seven guy in WWE right now is if you froze him, you put him on a wedding cake. You know, because and they're all the same. I mean, if I ran a battle royal across the nation and say I want a five foot ten wrestler with a forty inch chest and a thirty inch waist and a ponytail, I'd have a hundred people. Sure. Yeah, those guys in the seventies and early eighties, you know, they were athletes. They were also tough. I mean, they were tough because they were trained to be tougher. I mean, stiffer rings. Well. Longer training periods before they got to wrestle. It's everything. I mean, if I was to go tonight and do a show here in Milwaukee and tomorrow in Louisville, I wake up in the morning, I get on a plane, and 35 minutes later I'm there. These guys would get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Five people would get in a car and drive seven hours to Louisville. Drinking. And get a hotel, <laughs> wrestle, then drive back to Milwaukee. Find out they got to go to Minneapolis, drive another six hours, and the next day you're doing something in South Dakota, drive another ten hours. You know, Barron told me their knees are bad from the car rides, not from the ring. So what do you think is worse? The fact that guys get in the ring too early nowadays or the fact that kayfabe is dying? Guys get in the ring too early because um, one of the things I do is you don't get in the ring, you don't do a match until you're 100% ready. And the guy that trained me, actually, the first match, usually the trainer would wrestle the guy in the first match, and you'd put the guy under a mask in case he had a bad match so nobody would know it was you. Sure. Okay, today most trainers don't wrestle, and you wrestle another rookie, and it's just a disaster. You know, and I can remember Hangman one time, and there was a match before, and these guys blew everything. They hit each other like they couldn't knock a fly off their head. And basically, Hangman walked up to these guys and said, just so you know, me and this guy here have to kick the shit out of each other now. And these kids are like, why? He says, because we have to bring credibility back that you just destroyed. So when this guy comes back with a couple of broken bones or a black eye or everything or his forearm is whatever, this is the reason why. And these guys are shaking and this and that, but it's kind of true. Sure. You know, and I mean, you don't kill each other, but you have to hit each other. You have to make it look real and believable. And that's one of the problems today with, with TV, too, is they, they hide everything. There's so many mistakes. They show the crowd. But, I mean, believe me, if you wrestle Hangman back there, if somebody said the word wrestling is fake, he'd have killed you because wrestling is complete opposite. It's the farthest word from fake. Sure. Okay. Life is more fake than wrestling is. I mean, it really is. Absolutely. People pretend they like you. Jobs hire you because, you know, whatever no it's not you know i mean the whole world you know right they tell you orange juice is going up because of a frost in florida and then somebody says i thought all the orange juice comes from brazil you know and then right away i'll go everything is fake and everything is a work you know but again do i chop a guy in the throat no but that's not wrestling but do i chop a guy or form a guy or slam the guy or suplex the guy or roll around with the guy yeah and that's what wrestling is and that's real i've seen a guy chop you in the throat once (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's why I talk like this. (laughs) So, Jesse, apparently we have to make a promo for our podcast, but I'm not exactly sure what we're supposed to say. Oh, come on, Nick. We just got to talk about Grapple Talk, where we talk about wrestling. It doesn't matter if it's the national stuff or the local stuff. That's true. I mean, regardless if it's WWE or our local talent, we cover it all. Oh, we also got to plug the social media. That's right. Facebook.com slash The Grapple Talk, and you can follow us on Twitter at The Grapple Talk. Man, that was a really good promo. That was. High five. Yeah. Hey guys, this is AC Riley reminding you to check out The Riley Factor only on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always, support independent wrestling. Hey everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy Gaming. Check us out. Well, should we go to the hat? Sure, why not? Do we have to? Well, no, we don't really. have to. <coughs> but we're going to. <laughs> but we're going. You know what? Let's, before we begin, we should talk about today's wrestlers and wrestlers from years ago. Okay. 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 Sure. 
There was no school when I ran rest when I started wrestling. And when Carmine would do a show, we would literally get there at eight o'clock in the morning to set up the ring. And the guy from Knights of Columbus might not show up to ten thirty. Okay, there was no cell phones to bitch about somebody. You just sat there and waited. You put that ring as fast as you could and train. Today, you got guys that want to come, and you got a seven o'clock camp. And okay, in WWE right now, NXT. When camp's at 10 o'clock, that doesn't mean you show up at 10 o'clock. That means you're done stretching, you're in gear, you're in the ring, and you're ready to go. Okay, Chase and Rance in Florida runs a school, and camp's at 6.30. And even if the last person showed up at 10 after 6, that last person has to clean the bathroom because he does shows on Saturday. Sure. All right? I've got guys, if you got camp at noon, 12.15, 12.30, quarter one, we had it today. 7 o'clock upstairs, a group of four people walked in at 7.20. And, you know, the thing is, I'm still old school. I could do an, a Minnesota show, and my group gets there seven hours away faster than anybody that lives in that town or Indiana. Right. You know, and I don't get it, you know. And then everybody complains and this and that and this and that and this and that. And it's just, you know, the problem with, with the people that complain, some people actually listen. I have one word for it. Next. Sure. I don't fire people, they quit. Or they get fed up. You know, I've got guys that the pirate for instance. Okay, probably the most he's like me, unathletic, and he's at Ring of Honor. He's all over trying to get booked. He's helping set up the ring and tearing down the ring. I mean, I can honestly say I made the most out of the least. So is the pirate. And a guy named John Hudson who I help train, is going to make the least out of the most. The guy's 5'11", he's good-looking, he's got a great physique, right. and forget it. we got a show coming up in Arizona, February 24th, and I know he's going to no-show me, and I know it, and he's supposed to get a name out in the West Coast, and it's hard getting wrestlers that weekend because there's a show in Phoenix, a show in Vegas, a show in L.A., and everybody is booked. So they're flying people from here, and John's the only person in the West Coast that ain't booked. And he'll still end up no-showing. And he's only a few hours away. And then I actually got my guys on Hollywood Championship Wrestling on Sunday, which he's trying to get on, and he hasn't. And I called Dave Marquez up, and he's like, we'll see you on the 25th. We'll get him on. So that's, you know, so I'm happy for my guys, you know. But, all right, let's pull a name out of a hat here. It's not necessarily a name. Well, it's a well, topic. It could be anything. Yeah. So you're our guest. We're going to let you go first. They stick together. You might not be yeah, able to understand the writing. <laughs> What year did the Russians shoot up the Sputnik? 1961. Next question. <laughs> that's a good that, was, yeah. that is not that was, what that says. That it says, why? You want me to read it for you? Yeah, this looks like it's in gibberish. Yeah, it, it probably is. Oh, this is uh, why Maru should never ask Jason Parks to shoot on him. That was one of the people who put that in the message board. Well, you don't know Maru, so and I don't, and I don't want to know Jason Park. <laughs> but you do. But at least this tells that this is legit because we just pulled this out, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's the way this works. So, uh, if you guys had to take a guess, what would happen if Jason Parks? Uh, well, Jason Parks isn't exactly a tough guy. But he does have decent intellect and mic skills, so he would probably carve him up verbally as opposed to physically. Yeah. Works for me. Yeah, I would agree with all that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, I don't think anybody really watched me wrestling for my drop kick, did they? Because I'm still waiting to see it. I watch for the bump. Oh, yeah, right. okay. But it's an important one, you know? Well, when it happens. All right. Oh, he's see if we get a good one. Yeah, he went right. Yeah. He dug in. This one here is like duct taped. Well, you guys sure know how to. Must have liked that one. Cut off. The okay. cut off. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. It's what we want to talk about is the importance of the cut off and how it works in a wrestling match. Well, in WWE, they go to a commercial break during the cut off. They certainly be do. Yeah, they because do. they don't want to bury the good guys anymore. A guy gets thrown out to the floor, and we'll be back in two minutes. Yeah, and those guys just lay there, you know. They, um, you know, and. Um, Again, the cutoff is the word heat, and for some reason, the WWE doesn't like heat. And uh, I mean, just last week on SmackDown, 
Every time the heels bail, they got counted out, and Shane O'Mac comes out and says, hey, we're going to restart this match again. Everybody goes, yay. Then they somehow get disqualified, and they leave, and Shane O'Mac says, hey, we're going to start this match over again. And everybody goes, yay. And then something else happens, and they bail, and that's the end of the match. And Shane O'Mac comes out and goes, no, 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 now we're going to make it this. Yay. And then the bad guys go over. And now everybody goes, what the hell just well, happened here? So everything. they're burying a baby face at the expense of two heels. Now, three months later at the WWE stockholders meetings, they're going to ask, what's wrong here? And everybody's going to go, I don't know. I can't figure it out. We have the best talent ever, but yet nobody knows how to push them right. You know, and I don't, I don't get me wrong, I'm not a genius, but I guarantee I could have came up with something a hell of a lot better than that. Sure. I could have done that in my sleep, you know, but again, they wonder why ratings are down, why, you know, WCW had an 8.5, WWF had a 4.5. Right, and, and now um, where are all those fans? That they're nowhere to be found. They're calling Armani. <laughs> yeah, you know. What if that post-it note said cut off and we just beat him? Well, <laughs> the, the thing, though, about that, and before we get into the actual, you know, what makes a good cutoff, this has been happening in WWE for a while. They stopped with false tags. There's no false tags anymore in tag matches. They don't even give you the, you know, they they don't give you the ref's name. They the matches, the whole way that people were taught to wrestle for years and years and years. I'll call you in twenty. It's um, it's just different now when you watch it on on TV, especially in the WWE. Oh? It's crazy. No, he's still there. What if? Yeah, it's it's terrible, you know. But then again. I don't understand the TV part, and I also know, talking to Adam Pierce, is they have a lot of really, really good ideas, but the network says, absolutely not, you can't do that. Okay, and that's where their, their hands are tied, too. You know, I'll do some local shows here, and fans will say, hey, it's really good, but it's starting to get a little stale. So then you kind of rev it up, maybe not to X, but something else, and then people walk out like, oh, this is terrible. So you have that fine line between, you know, no offense to you, Lane, but all I would hear after a while was, Lane does the same stuff, we're sick of Lane, can't you get any new wrestlers? So this year I have some new wrestlers, and these same fans are going, man, we miss all the old guys like Lane and this yeah. and that. And I'm like, you know, it's like, really? Right. You know, and it's, so then when you bring them in occasionally, which wouldn't be you, by the way, but somebody else you bring in occasionally. No, I wouldn't bring me in either. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't afford you. So, like I said, the cutoff is probably the most important part of the match because what they don't call it a cutoff now, they call it a gear change. Okay, they're changing gears from the good guy winning to the bad guy winning. Sure. Okay, so everybody has a different name for stuff. So, basically, that referee at the four-minute mark says, hey, a commercial's coming up, time for a gear change. Now, when you're an independent wrestler, that's a different story. Right. Now, you're told to go 15 minutes. It's up to you to listen to the fans to know, hey, I think they had enough of the good guy or they had enough of the bad guy. And that's what makes a wrestler really, really well is he listens. I'm at shows where they're chanting the good guy's name as hard as they can and the bad guy doesn't give them anything. So then finally when the good guy fights back, nobody cares anymore because you, you didn't realize it, but you buried him. Right. I mean, if the people are cheering for something, you give it to them, and right when they're about ready to get it, you take it away from them again. And that's kind of like an abusive relationship. It works every time. <laughs> okay. and, and that's kind of like, and we've talked about this on past shows, is what you see with the evolution of the business. Because even if you go back to territories and everything, things were never the same in the WWF as they were in everywhere else. Oh, sure. You know, I watched my show from 10 years ago, and I'm not cutting on my product today, but the wrestling, although it wasn't better, there was so much heat, and the crowds were yelling and screaming. Now they show up just to show up. They sit on your hands because we don't realize it, but we are turning into WWE wrestlers because that's all we watch. Okay, society in this world are becoming like today's sitcoms. Where when I was a kid, I grew up like the 60s sitcoms, you know, My Three Sons and Leave It to Beaver and all that. That's all you knew, and that's what you did. And today everybody's like, well, that's not, that's not so bad when a woman hits, guy hits a woman in the face with a bat. Oh, that's not so bad. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, even if you're just, because that's the way it is. And that's why I always tell my guys, watch old school wrestling. When you watch Steamboat and Wyndham, and they must have chopped each other 300 times, and their chest is bloody. 
okay, they didn't do arm drags off the top of a stage, and they didn't do all this other crap. They did something called they wrestled, and there was never a really a, a, a stop, okay, like a like a book. You're reading a great book, and you're on page twelve, and you can't wait to turn the page, and you turn the page, and it says page eighteen, and now you're like, what happened to those four pages? <coughs> I, I turned to page eighteen. I, I'm missing something here. That's what happens in a wrestling match. If they don't do it right, now these fans, even though they don't know how to wrestle, they sit there and they go, there's something missing. I don't know what it is, but there's something missing. You know, yeah, page 14, 15, 16, and 17. You know, which is where this gear change or cutoff comes in. Yeah. You know, the coolest part about the old territory stuff, too, is it was simple and the fans just ate it up. Like... You had them in the palm of your hand, and now, again, fans are being conditioned to not... Vern Gagne would say you could never take a 300-pound man and snap him. It's not believable, which I agree. And then you go down to Harley Race, Harley Race, really? Watch this, and he just punches a guy in the stomach, and as the guy bends down, he snap him. He goes, what do you mean I can't do that? <laughs> then you go to Von Erich, and Von Erich sold. That's what the good thing about those territories. And then Vince grabbed all the best... And they all worked good together, where now they're all trained exactly the same. You right. know, you have your salad at the, at the Old Country Buffet, then you get your piece of vegetable, you get your piece of chicken, you get your dessert, and you go home. Seven days a week, how many times can you go to Old Country Buffet? And it's WWE. It's a buffet that I'm sick of eating and watching right now because it's exactly the same. Hey, Old Country Buffet, when are you going to have liver and onions? I'd love that. <laughs> yes, I'd love liver and onions. Yes, you would. <laughs> I know, that's why I thought I would say it. <laughs> Don't cut yourself. <laughs> I might not. Uh, best Samuel L. Jackson quote. Oh. This can't be for me. I don't even know who it is. Um, you don't know Samuel you don't know L. Names. Jackson? Yeah, you'd probably know him if you saw him. Was he a president? No. <laughs> not yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. I, it has to be the quote from Snakes on a Plane. Yeah, it's Get these motherfucking snakes off this motherfucking plane. Wait, is this about me? No. <laughs> is this about me or you, this podcast? Yeah, Shut up. Next question. <laughs> you go ahead. Let oh, me dig on it. Because I like when Armani gets Yeah, I always get good ones. <laughs> I like when Armani gets handsy. If a chicken and a half cost a penny and a half, how much do 11 chickens cost? You take the train to Cincinnati. I know. <laughs> okay, so well, if a chicken and a half costs a penny and a half, yeah. how much would 11 chickens cost? Uh, Six and a half cents. Yeah, I, I would say 11 because it's a one-to-one ratio. If chicken and a half costs a penny and a half, wouldn't 11 cost 11? Done with your fifth grade math. All right, here's the question. <laughs> this fucking guy. Pizza Hut, Domino's, Papa John's, or Papa Murphy's. Who said Papa John's? Okay, it can't be Papa John's because Dave Starr used to work for Papa John's and that was Al Patterson's. <laughs> you know what? None of them. They're all awful. What's the best pizza? None of them. Yeah, they all here? come in last. I would rather get a $2 frozen pizza, okay, and just put a bunch of crap on it. I did. I mean, every one of these is a piece of white bread with just some junk on it. That's it. See, my dad would buy the frozen pizza and add all these extravagant yeah, toppings. I mean, these are all, actually, um, was it Papa Murphy's? They're probably the best because you end up cooking them. Right. But Pizza Hut and that, that's just, I would rather go to George Webb and get a hamburger. So forget about those chains. What's the best pizza around here? Is it? Papa Luigi's? Well, of course. Oh, there you go. See, and that's not a shoot either. It, it, it really is. Really is. Yeah, I mean, I like Ann's out on, on in Hale's Corners, but you got to rob a bank to go there. Yeah. I mean, I always tell Sal, I mean, if we ever had a business argument, I said, you're too cheap. I mean, like for 15 bucks, you get a large pizza with four toppings and an order of garlic bread. I'm like, I don't know how you do it. You know, I said, Papa John's wants 10 bucks and you got to make it. If out, of, if out of those, I would if I had to pick one, I'd pick Domino's because they changed their recipe. Actually, I would take. I agree. I would take the piece of paper it's written on. I'll take Guaranteed Bank. I think they have better pizza in their lunch. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'll heat that fucker up for nine bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I worked for Pizza Hut, so I have to have that loyalty. You're bragging about that? Well, you know, I gained like forty pounds there. Really That's because they had buy one get one free, but no customer ever got the free one. <laughs> Looks That's like you've I... been going back part-time once in yeah. a while. Well, it looks like he was poured into that shirt, and he forgot to say when. 
All right, next question here or what? Yeah, yeah why not? Knock it out. How we doing? We're, oh, we're doing good. We got, we got some time. Uh, I can't read this. It's like, who wrote this? <laughs> Does it say Brian Pillman? <laughs> I don't know why. We got a fucking Armani on the show where we could talk about all sorts of things. And we're getting the shit. And we're show getting questions. all the shit show questions what's that everybody. The, what's the question? This just says Bolivian soccer. It's not even a yeah, question. Exactly. Right back in the hat. Well, hey, fuck Bolivian. You soccer. knew something was wrong when it was written in crayon. That's true. All yeah, right. Here's a good right. one. You're going to have to do the. Here's a good one because more than one word. Show. Okay. Why isn't Jack Spade on a diet? No. <laughs> Gobbledy something this week. The... Grapple talk this week. Oh. uh, Well, I don't know why he's not on grapple talk this week, but I can tell you a fun story about the time I ribbed Jack Spade about the grapple talk. He was complaining to me for weeks about not being on this radio show. So I went up to Alex Riley and let him know that Lane really wanted to be on the show and then told him that he should go up to Lane and lament that they were running out of ideas on who to interview. And when Lane bit, he should ask him, hey, do you know anyone that we could interview? <laughs> yeah, he did that. That was funny. And then, you know what? I got on Grapple Talk, and I ate my phone. Uh-oh, Vic's going to add that. This is, is going to be a toughie right Oh, I'm here. hoping to get something that you can actually talk about. Not doing that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm rigging the I'm rigging You know, the something gimmick. tells me the people that listen to your talk show have got the IQ of this snowman that's on his kitchen table. Wow. Both of them. You're not going to do that one? Nope. I like that one. That's why I went back in. <laughs> yeah, he didn't throw it out. He just put it Jesus back. Christ. I like that one. So too. while you guys need to kick him. How, how about this? Why don't you tell us the parakeet joke while he's doing Yeah, it? tell the parakeet joke. Well, this guy's been married for like 40 years, okay? And his wife passes away. And his best friend really feels bad. And he's looking for a companion for him. So he goes to a pet shop. And the guy says, I got the perfect gift. I got a parakeet back there. That speaks three different languages, French, German, and English. Right. He hears his $2,000, and he's like, man, I don't know. And this, this pet shop guy says, look, your buddy will have a companion for life. He doesn't need any women, blow up dolls, nothing. You know what I mean? All right, here's his address, mail to his house, and I'll come check on him in a couple days. So three, four days later, he shows up, and he says, hey, how's that bird I sent you? And the guy says, man, he was delicious. And the guy goes, delicious, that was a $2,000 parakeet. That guy was supposed to take care of you. He spoke three different languages. And the guy says, yeah, that's funny. He didn't say nothing to me. <laughs> all right. All right. I found something a little more <coughs> so your speed. Our hat practically now is has it about, to do a hashtag me too from all the violation that he just got put through. Is it about VHSs or what? It's not. VHRs? Here's no. something I'm sure you'll have some things to talk about. The art... Or the failure of refereeing in a match. How much time we got? Uh, we got about 20 minutes. You can... Nothing is worse than a referee that buys a $25 ticket and just watches the match like a fan. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I see it all the time. It's almost to a point that wrestlers are a dime a dozen, but referees are gold. A good referee. You know, a good referee. Yeah. I mean, you know how many times I have pulled hair, and the referee says, oh, hey, Armani, you know, don't do that anymore, okay? Oh, sure, no problem, and I do it again, and the referee pretends he didn't see it, even though he looked right at it, because he doesn't know what to do. So then I do it a third time. Now he decides maybe he's going to tie his shoes or whatever, 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 and instead of sitting there and say, hey, Armani, break the hold, all right? And because I called something for the good guy to do, But because I can't break the hold, the guy can't do it to me. Okay, because we got a referee again that, you know, front roll is $15, but the one ticket that's in the ring is $25, and that's what he bought so he could sit in there. Sure. Okay. And, I mean, even in the WWE, there was a Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels where it was like a double pin. This was on a pay-per-view. And everybody was supposed to shake their shoulders like, hey, who won, who won, who won? And nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows. And then they were going to sit there and say, hey, the winner of this match, blah, blah, blah. 
Well, as soon as that pin happened, the ring announcer announces the finish within a half a second. And if you watch that match, Shawn Michaels is screaming, you just blew the effing finish. You just, just screaming and screaming. And again, everything has to work. I mean, one of the things I brag about my shows is I go to indie shows, and the guy that rings the bell is gone during the match. He's signing autographs or whatever. And all of a sudden, at the 12-minute mark, this ring announcer yep. decides to, sh this ring, to show up, telling basically the fans, oh, this is about ready to end. Where my guys, if you have a guy in a submission, he stands up and puts his the bell, and sometimes if it's a hot match, people are telling, you sit down, you sit down, you sit down. Those are all the little things that make, again, we all know this is entertainment, but I want it to be a fun show. I'm not asking for a five-star wrestling match, good show. I'm asking for a fun show, and that's some of the problems, like baseball. All right? One and nothing is a good, is a good game. It's not a fun game, right. but 10 to 9 is a fun game, but it's not a good game. They go back and forth, back and forth, and what would you rather see? Well, to be honest, I'd rather see that 10-9 game. Yeah, there were errors. Yeah, I got pissed off at a pitching change. Yeah, I got pissed off. He kept the guy go in. Yeah, that guy should have caught that ball. Then Ryan Braun hit the three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth, and you forgot about everything, and you go, man, was that a fun game. Sure. And that's what brings people back. But if it's so full of baloney, now you sit there and your little kid says, Dad, this is garbage. I don't want to come back to this. Let's do something else. I've always felt that a ref like you could put two great wrestlers in the ring, but if the referee is clueless and blows the finish, it doesn't matter how good you are. You know, if that referee screws it up. You know, not only that, but the wrestling ring. If you don't have a legal full-size ring that guys are trained in, and I'm not ripping on anybody, but some of these rings around are small, some are real big, some are low ropes, some are high ropes. And sometimes I look and I tell guys, Triple H and Shawn Michaels couldn't have a good match in that ring. Sure. You know, because number one, they're big guys and they need room to move. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I understand we're a lot smaller right now, so it's not so bad. But like my twins, my twins were so big and so explosive, they took one step and they were across the ring already. And you're like, holy Christ, where well, I'd take three. Right. You know, so you had to make sure you had a 20 foot professional WWE ring. Otherwise, in all honesty, you could never pin the twins. They could put their leg and arm anywhere and touch a rope. Matter, you could put them right in the middle of the ring and they could touch something. You know? And it's just, that's important. I mean, everything is important. You know, when I gripe about a guy like, um, okay, I'm going to go really, really far back. Years ago, the circus used to come to town. Okay, and he came on a circus train. And all the railroad tracks, all the way from Baraboo to Milwaukee, was tens of thousands of people. This train would be five hours late, eight hours late, because the smoke locomotive, now they had an engine pull it. And the animals were in there, and everybody would wave and beep, and the clowns would wave, and this and that. And they went down to Lake Michigan, and they set up their gimmicks for three days, and then they had the, the, the circus parade on Sunday, and it'd be packed. And then Monday they'd go back, and there'd be nobody at the railroad tracks on Monday because it's over with. Right. Okay, Dust Bowl. When WWF comes to town, you see 26 semis pull up. WWE, WWE. Oh, my God, look at that. Guess what happens when TNA comes to Milwaukee? What does their truck say? Rider. <laughs> and they wonder why. Okay. Now, I didn't know TNA's coming to town. I see five trucks pull up TNA, and there's a picture of Hogan on there, AJ Styles, or at the time. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go online. Oh, yeah, sure enough, they're coming. I got to buy a ticket. Well, you know what? Nobody knows. You know, and I'm like, what a horrible way to run a business. You know, if they couldn't bury a business, okay, everybody is making money. Even the, the smallest indie guy is making money except TNA. Sure. Everybody in the world right now is making money running wrestling except TNA. What does that tell you? Yeah. It's almost impossible. Well, one thing is, you know, you should never give enough free tickets. You know, I mean, I'm talking... Whatever, but they had so much talent, okay? And if they all came to Milwaukee, they would draw 30 people. If I just booked one of those guys for my show, I'd be sold out. Yeah. Because it says M-I-A-W, not T-N-A. If I said T-N-A, there'd be nobody here. That's true. So back to the, real quick, back to the referees. Do you think the problem is that there's really nobody training? I mean, you, I, I know that you work with referees at your camp, but it seems like a lot of wrestling schools don't, really pay attention to the referee you know i kind of don't either 
I mean, I might yell and scream at a guy, but I've never really taken a guy's money and said, okay, we're going to spend an hour every Sunday and, and referee. I have a couple of guys that show up, and when we do matches, they ref, and we kind of correct them. But I really wouldn't say that that's a school, sure. you know. I don't know. Did you ever notice that referees show up for the show already dressed? They never change. You ever notice that? <laughs> yes. They yeah. come in complete gear, and they leave in complete gear. So, you know, maybe it's... Maybe it's sold on them. Maybe they're from outer space. You never know. I, I think it, it might solve the problem if we take guys who are in their 40s that used to be wrestlers that understand the business at least, and may, unless they're Bronco Lubitsch and then they can't get well, Bronco Lubitsch had a cup of coffee, and that corner was a nice place to lean. It was like 80 years <laughs> old, refereeing. You know, I've always had some good rep. Mike, I mean, um, Mike Williams is really, really yes. good. Yeah. And Scott DeMarco was excellent. He was the best. He yeah. was the best. You know, and... Um, also, remember, who was the guy's name? Gino Lanza. Oh, yes. Gino Lanza yes. was very good. He tried to get in WWE till uh, one of the Hepner brothers tried to sleep with him in Colorado. So that oh, ended my. that. Yikes. Yeah, you don't want to hear that story, but it wasn't good. Did he know which one? Well, it didn't matter. <laughs> did, they, did they switch halfway through? They're like, like, they're like an Almond Joy. You can, you can have half and still have a whole. Gino was really good, though. And yeah, you know, he was. Jimmy See, you Kennedy forgot about him. He was really him. good, too. And what about the ponytail guy? Uh, Craig Smith Mark. Craig Smith, yeah. Craig Smith Mark, I used to call him. So there was some out there, and I don't know that much now because I really don't go to many shows. But, uh, you know, you could say the same thing about ring announcers. There's no good ring announcers out there anymore either, hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, some of my favorite memories are being in the ring and you getting angry outside the ring while turning the ref and he just doesn't want to come with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or the referee that sees everything. That's a, yeah, that's a fuck off. But, you know, sometimes the wrestler, okay, the object of a good guy, okay, and I always tell this, if we're doing a tag match, okay, and we're beating up Lane right now, it's Lane, Lane's partner, the good guys, the referee, and really the entire crowd is wrestling you, okay? I turn the referee so my partner or those partners can beat you up. You crawl to the opposite corner just to get beat up, okay? You're wrestling yourself. We just happen to be props. And I've seen several times where the two bad guys are in the ring beating up the good guy, and the good guy leaves the ring, so the ref has no choice but to turn around. Sure. It's not always the referee's fault. Well, I'm going to give a good example of a time where I turned into you for a minute <laughs> because the referee was an idiot. It was for Legacy, and it was Mike Fly. I don't know if you know who that is or not. You, you know him if you saw him. him. Yeah. That's even worse. And the match was Lane... And I believe Jason Masters, and I don't remember who the baby faces were, but Jason Masters was in the ring, and he spit in the corner to draw the baby face in. Right. And when the baby face started to come in, the referee walked over and put a hand out and said no, but kept turning to look over his shoulder, even though he knew I was out there trying to get heat. Well, and again, I, I know I've gone to shows already, and we're going to go over something, and I go to the referee. You know what a false tag is? Oh, absolutely. So we do one, and he has no clue what it is. And then you know me. I start yelling and screaming, and people in the crowd are all laughing because, again, they don't get it, okay? This referee lives a block away from the building. I drove 160 miles each way. I could have stayed at home. What? You know, and when you, you know, again, I paid a trainer. This guy probably didn't. He's getting the same pay, payday I did, which, again, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, it, no different than work, okay? The guy that finished eighth grade shouldn't get the same pay as the guy who graduated from college. Right. But he would think it is. That's where the Democrats come in. I don't want to bring up that. But you know what I mean? Sure. You know, but, I mean, again, this is a group effort. The referee, the ring announcer, the bell. The guy with gear, okay? I know if I drive up north, okay, and there's a real little town called whatever, and there's a shopping mall there, and they open up a Hot Topics, there's going to be a wrestling league there real soon because that's where all the wrestlers buy their gear from. Okay, I went to a thing called High Spots, and I bought boots, and you had to measure your ankles, yep. your calves, your thighs, your everything, and get something. Here, it's, you know, buy one gothic shirt with a cross on it, get two free. And then the guy has one match in his life, and he wants to be a heel, okay? But he has absolutely no clue, so he thinks, okay, I'm going to throw this guy in the ropes and hit him with 100 moves. I'm a bad guy. Well, I haven't hit 100 moves in my entire career total. 
Okay. In fact, I hit a move on a guy a couple months ago, and some guy yelled, hey, Armani knows moves. <laughs> but that's only because it was a diaper match, and I had to hit him with a move so I can crawl and get a diaper. Okay, I didn't go for a cover. I went for a diaper. Then I hit him with another move, and it was unbelievable. It was a Jap arm drag in the corner that even I thought I couldn't do. But it wasn't to go for a pin. It was to go get the baby powder, because everybody knows if you got a diaper, you oh, got to have baby powder. Baby powder yep. And somehow I screwed up, and the guy super kicked my hand with the baby powder, Hit me in the eyes, once in a million shot, but it happened. Rolled me up, as my Japanese buddy Hemi would say, one, two, shri. <laughs> and also Rex Ruger. So you, you were talking about, though, guys who, you know, want, want to be the heel after two matches. I, uh. I, I feel the other problem is guys go through training, they don't, it doesn't go fast enough for them, right? So they find some fly-by-night organization that'll put them in the ring and put them in the main event. Yep, like, because they sold five tickets. Right. And it, so then that just makes everything else that people are working for that are legitimate look look like crap. I've had a lot of guys leave, and they come back two years later. I made a mistake, and I come back, and I train. And I really don't charge them any money, and Silas gives me a hard time. He goes, hey, if this guy paid so-and-so, you should ask him for money. Okay? We got there right now with Jesse Bush. All right. He decided to go somewhere else. He thinks he didn't learn anything, which I think he's doing a pretty good job referee, but he kind of wants to wrestle again because he's lifting weights. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't know which way is which. And in all honesty, is it fair that he paid a guy X amount of dollars? And not only does he not pay me, he wants a payday to referee. So really, he might as well just punch me in the face. Right. You know, because that's the only thing I asked him. I didn't ask him to set up rings. I didn't ask him to follow me. I didn't ask him to go wash my car. I just said, and I got three guys from Indiana. They came up at Labor Fest and all that. Well, they decided to go on their own. Two of them are hurt already because they're not ready. And I told them, you know, and they just look at me. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's 100 miles away, but so what? Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's and just... it, it's easy to get hurt because if you don't know how to work, this guy naturally, especially if you're a small guy and you're a good bumper, Big guys that really don't know how to work like working you because they can throw you around and then they, they think they're real tough. They look like a million bucks. They look like a million bucks. And then what happens is you become a jobber because you can bump so good. Right. You know, and then everybody's going to use you to job. You know, where, let's face it, you watch my match. I never took a good bump. You know, better than Derek St. Holmes, though. I bump on my ass. <laughs> he bumps on his thighs. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Derek's a great guy. I might, I might team with him this Saturday, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah, for Frank's show, yeah. God, yeah that's, a, that's a Legends match. It'd be kind of good. Oh, that's right. He's got the charity thing. For yeah, the, this Saturday. By the time you listen to this, it'll be over with. So that's why I'm pushing it. So, How, it's, however. It's, I, have, I have a follow-up question. Yeah, go ahead. It's a Legends match. Who are you guys working? I have no idea. I don't want to ask. <laughs> now, what will not have happened yet, though, is the your big Rumble. Rumble coming. Royal, January 27th, 7.30 p.m. Papa Luigi's 2, 1919 12th Avenue in beautiful downtown South Milwaukee. Okay, don't blink because you'll miss it. Probably my second biggest show of the year next to Thanksgiving Absolutely. Eve. Absolutely. And Dysfunction is my heavyweight champion. And like I told him, it's a 30-man at least battle royal. And anybody who has won the royal in the last 11 years has beaten the champion. And you guys got to think about it, okay? This guy beat 30 guys in a battle royal. Dysfunction should be a cakewalk. He's only got to be one. That's true. So Dysfunction's got really, you know, you got Rough Crossing in there, and you got um, the Masked Mauler. I can't tell you who he is, but you might see him on Ring of Honor without a hood. I'm not going to say who it is. And Joey Avalon. Joey Avalon is in there, and Xavier Mustafa, you know, 400-some pounds, T.C. Washington, Chris Black, Ryan Robes. Uh, Jack Blackwell. Jack Blackwell. Joey Pink will probably be there. Uh, Red Hot Billy Wild and his tag team partner, Charming Chad. No kidding. Wow. Yeah, they're coming in. Um, I'm trying to think what other Ham and Eggers coming in. Um, Farmer Vic wanted to, but, you know, now he said his knees are real bad. Scott DeMarc is going to enter. All right. The Royal. I like it. You know, and you just you just never know who's gonna. You know, it could be Lance Allen. It could be. Um, There's always a surprise. Well, I can tell you right now, I put an invite out to Eric Thames from the Milwaukee Brewers because right. they're they're, they're in town, town and he loves wrestling. So let's put it this way: if he is coming next Saturday, because I'm not paying him, I can't really announce it. So let's just say I put it out there to him, 
That's all I can tell you. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. All I know is he loves wrestling. The mayor of South Milwaukee yeah. is going to be one of the special referees. Oh, very cool. You know, so if that doesn't get him two votes, I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be a lot of fun. It, it, you're right. It is usually the second, right after you know Halloween or Thanksgiving Eve, then you have the, the Rumble. Well, you know, one more thing. There's no football that weekend. That's right. Okay, the last game is this Saturday, and then you got the Super Bowl the week after. So when there's nothing going on Saturday, people start itching. So what better thing than watch wrestling? Absolutely. You know? We, we, we have reached, we've our, reached our threshold. You know, I just have two things. Though. Yeah, of course. So I've been thinking about it. Uh-oh. So Maru should not try to shoot on Jason Parks because Jason Parks, because he listens to the show, knows about Krav Maga. Oh, well, Krav Maga is the actually the most comprehensive self-defense in, in the world. It is. Absolutely. I've done a lot of research. What's the other thing? Yeah, it was one. That Rex Ruger is crutch. <laughs> All right. I think we've run out of time here. You do research? No. I thought they don't make the green sheet anymore. <laughs> for Vic Stick Ross, for Jack Spade, I want to thank Angel Armani for wasting an hour of his time. We could have been doing, he could have been watching the Munsters. Well, let me ask you this. I just got a Facebook note from one of my wrestlers that says tagged you and two others in a post and he's upstairs training right now so how could he do that? Yeah, that's because he isn't really training unless the world knows about it. You're going to have to go up there and take care of that. I'm Scott Williams. Thank you again. It's the Ross Family Matters podcast. We'll see you next week.